Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Brian Passman. He is the founder of the cannabis industry talent acquisition firm Hunter & Esquire, and he has more than 18 years of experience in executive search and recruitment. He founded Hunter and Esquire in 2017, and his experienced team is dedicated to providing a full-service, white-glove approach to every one of their clients. Welcome to the show, Brian. It's nice to have you. Thanks so much, Bethany. Happy to be here with you. Great. So let us get started by getting to know you. Let's learn more about your background, your experience. I know you've been doing recruitment uh, for over 18 years. Uh, So tell me more about your background. Sure. 20 years to be exact. Uh, So happy anniversary to me. Yay. Yay. We, um, yeah, so uh, my roots are in med tech and biotech executive search. So I actually spent 15 years in that space uh, working with large and small companies around the world uh, with a focus on your more technical roles and compliance and ops and R&D and lab and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, so right at the 15-year mark, uh, in fact, I made an exit to um, pursue uh, an opportunity in the cannabis space with with some other folks who were uh, aligned to do something pretty cool at that time, which didn't quite work out. So I, I did go back to uh, agency life and fortuitously landed with a food and beverage CPG search firm and got exposed to uh, that industry for a few years and did a lot of uh, a lot of executive uh, placement again, but also got some more um, commercial uh, recruitment and building sales and marketing teams. And, uh, and then that led us to... Uh, later in 2017, launching uh, the gig is our staffing agency and Hunter and Esquire uh, executive search. So that's all I've ever done. It's all I know. I'm a classically trained recruiter and just really love uh, the hunt. That's great. Uh, did you know that that's what you wanted to do when you were going to school and getting out of high school? Or like, how did how did you get into the field of helping other people find the people that they need, helping people find people. Helping people find people. Yeah. I no, I did not aspire. I, 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 I really do not think that I've ever met a recruiter that aspired to be a recruiter. Um, there's probably a few, you know, if you, I guess if you grow up in the business, maybe, maybe your, your parents or a family member uh, or someone's doing it. I like to think our, our kids might take this over from us one day. Uh, but 
No, I, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I went to school and double majored in uh, economics and finance. And I ended up uh, believing that I'd be a good sales guy and wanted to get a, a job selling uh, medical devices. I had some friends doing that who were uh, making a good living. And yeah. I met, yeah, I met a, a guy who ran a med tech search firm and I thought he was going to place me in a medical device sales job and offered said offered me a job as a recruiter and cool so from there now you specialize in helping cannabis companies uh what made you shift into the cannabis industry it is federally illegal i don't need to remind everyone of that all the time but it's true so it's not exactly a super safe industry to get into what what was your inspiration to pivot this direction uh, well, um, I've, I've definitely uh, been a, a believer in the medicinal properties of the plant. Uh, I've um, myself enjoyed a relationship with the plant. Uh, so the, the initial interest in the space was uh, really coming from that. And really after more thought, it was like, wow, this is uh, a new industry being uh, developed. So there was also this sort of draw to doing something really special and different that, um, you know, would allow me to, you know, kind of leave a legacy behind and why not uh, help a new industry uh, be constructed? Because how many times in our lifetime do we get to witness that? You know, we had the, we had the internet and we have this and who knows what's next. I don't know if I'll be around to see it or not. So there was that draw as well. And, um, Really, frankly, I just not not a knock against uh, the adult beverage space. I have a lot of friends in that field, but um, it did feel a little bit um, different or just wrong, I guess, for lack of a better term, to to work in that space after you know feeling the sense of accomplishment for 15 years helping med tech, biotech companies get life saving and wellness products sell to the market to help others, and then working in in the alcohol space heavily for a few years. It was just nice to get back to something that I thought was more aligned with a uh, healthy, well sort of um, lifestyles. Uh, and then last but not least was uh, just the fact that we heard from a lot of uh, contacts in the space before we launched our um, search firms was that at that time there was this unmet need, this, this, you know, kind of white glove, very professionalized um, retain search service that was largely not being offered to companies in the space. Uh, I think back then there were some successful staffing companies, which is a little bit different. And so we, we saw a nice opportunity to move in on and uh, we rolled the dice. I give a lot of credit to my wife, who is the Esquire and Hunter and Esquire. Uh, she's an entrepreneur uh, at heart and, and, and an attorney. And she had exited a, a startup successfully around the time that I was looking to leave that CPG search firm. And, you know, she, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, gets all the credit for um, inspiring me to go roll the dice and do something on our own because she offered to handle all the backend stuff uh, that, that I uh, honestly reject all the admin and the contracts and everything that she's an expert at. So we're all boring stuff. <laughs> right. And 
it's kind of nice. Uh, she doesn't want to talk on the phone all day and travel around to shows while well, when we were doing that. And I don't want to do what she does. So it's uh, it's really a nice uh, win-win. That's a nice compliment. Right. So Hunter and Esquire is, is your firm. You're a husband and wife team. Fantastic. Uh, tell me more about your day-to-day and what's going on with the company. I know you mentioned uh, you founded that in 2017. So a good three years here. What's What's going on? Yeah, well, there's, I guess you could boil down to a typical day is uh, pounding the phones. Uh, It's a combination of uh, recruitment and client on concierge activities. Of course, we're out there um, developing business as well. Uh, And really just engaging with the cannabis community at large, Um, especially right now, there are a lot of impacted uh, people out there who are sitting home wondering what's next and and who deserve a great spot back in the industry. So we do spend uh, a lot of time nowadays uh, really just consulting them, helping them uh, get their resumes and LinkedIn profiles a little bit more spiffy, uh, talking to them about how to approach the, the job search and treat it as a job and really make any connections that we can. We've put our altruistic hats on during this a challenging time and we, we do spend a lot of time you know kind of going outside of our retained model and just making some pro bono introductions just to connect good talent to opportunity to help rise the tide yeah i think that's great these are very tough times it's been really disheartening to see the unemployment numbers uh even though it is encouraging to see that cannabis was declared essential in most places which means even though how they operate their businesses looks very different. There are jobs being saved and maintained to a degree uh, in the cannabis industry. I'm encouraged by that, but uh, yeah, there's there's still quite a few folks that are displaced right now um, with these limitations in place. So tough times. Uh, thanks for the altruism. And, and I think that definitely embodies uh, the spirit of the cannabis plant, as we like to say, or the lessons of the plant. Yes, definitely. Cool. Well, we are about to take our first commercial break, but then we'll be right back to chat more with Brian Passman from Hunter and Esquire. And before we break, I want to remind our listeners that NCIA has a great resource on our website with even more resources on dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Head to thecannabisindustry.org slash covid hyphen 19 COVID-19 and check out all the resources we're collecting there. All right, we'll be right back after this commercial break, so stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. 
This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. We're chatting with Brian Passman from the search and recruitment firm Hunter and Esquire. As I mentioned before the break, uh, these are tough times. We're happy that cannabis is essential during these tough times. And we're hopefully coming out of the tight restrictions here slowly and safely. Are you seeing the impacts on COVID-19 in the hiring world as some of these companies, as I mentioned, have had to scale down to crunch their budgets down to get through this. So sadly, we are seeing pay cuts. We are seeing layoffs. What is that looking like from your perspective? Yes. Uh, so certainly there's been uh, layoffs. I, I do think that, um, you know, being mindful of uh, the, the the positive uh, part of this industry as being deemed essential and in, in large part, uh, I think you know kept a lot of good people uh, employed who who should have been. Uh, however, um, what what I think we've struggled with is uh, dealing with the talent out there that's been impacted, although though they were star performers working at uh, cannabis companies that were actually still doing fairly well to really well, uh, but were impacted because some companies out there who did hire a little bit irresponsibly, in my opinion, there was this hiring frenzy uh, in the recent years. Mm. Uh you know, there were some, I don't want to call it unconscious hiring, but a lot of hiring on the the what if and, and other expectations rather than real business needs. And mm-hmm. I think I think that this pandemic offered a nice uh, sort of, you know, scapegoat to those companies to cut costs through uh, reducing headcount. Uh, and, and this is just speaking from experience of, you know, call after call with a player in the space that have great performance reviews that have made demonstrated impacts to organizations and simply were cut because they were the next highest paid person to the founder at an organization. Right. Um, And then in some of these larger companies that have laid off um, hundreds of uh, people uh, and uh, although their business is still surviving and in some cases thriving, you know, that's, that's unfortunate that, Poor hiring practices, in my opinion, where there was not a lot of strategy behind it and and a lot of overhiring led to a lot of uh, really great talent uh, being brought into the space. Uh, You know, maybe a surplus of talent, uh, but regardless, we did have a lot of uh, great talent enter the space. So I think that is the the upside. And most of those folks that we're speaking with 
uh, do hope to return to the industry. There are some that are a little bit shell-shocked and, you know, they're saying they'd like to sideline themselves and find work in a more stable industry uh, and then and then come back to the space, which, you know, I think is fine because there's, there is a very deep pool of talent to, to fish in. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what is, it, it looks like on our side there, there, there's still plenty of, um, more of your frontline, your tactical hiring. Uh, you know, we, we, we know of uh, plenty of companies in the space that have hundreds of roles open at this time. Those are more of your hourly and your entry level or more junior roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just been a, um, a very, uh, you know, sort of hard stop on the um, very strong rush to bring on a lot of new executives. But uh, I am expecting that that will change uh, much sooner than later. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the pace of our industry is super quick, as as we've seen over the last few years. And, and these laws change so rapidly and licenses get rolled out and um, companies hustle, become established, grown, scale up super fast sometimes. And as you've mentioned, sometimes have to hire handfuls or dozens of people in a short amount of time. So how do you carefully hire a ton of people really rapidly and still get the right people? And, you know, what if you realize a couple of those hires were a really big mistake? Yeah. Well, you, you do have to build a team around that. You, there's, there's no um, secret recipe to go out and hire dozens or hundreds of people without uh, an internal talent acquisition team and, and HR and human capital and, and folks like that in place. Uh, of course, uh, I am biased and I think uh, going outside to a third-party expert if it suits the business is, is a good way to go as well. Uh, but regardless, you do need to have that team internally. So how to go about um, hiring very, very large teams in a hurry, uh, I think just you know boils down to having uh, enough support in-house to, one, make sure that uh, great talent that is coming at you does not fall through the cracks, to ensure that uh, other good talent is being uh, actively reached out to, and then just to have your uh, folks inside who can move the process along and then properly onboard everyone. It does, you know, it takes, it takes a village and I do understand, <laughs> you know, we all, we, we, we want to do more with less and we want to be lean, but at the end of the day, um, we, we, none of these businesses will survive without people. People are the most important asset of any organization. And in most cases they are an organization's only appreciating asset. So, uh, in my opinion, there, there needs to be much greater spends on the folks in the organization that can properly manage bringing in additional people, onboarding, training them, and continuously um, training them and, and handling all of the employee relations aspects of keeping your, your people happy. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah, onboarding is crucial. Absolutely. So as, as we start to ramp back up in the economy here, but we'll still have some restrictions for a long time is, is what it seems like for working. Continued social distancing, probably not shaking hands with people anymore, which frankly I'm fine with. Um, growth in hiring will ramp back up as well. So 
I'm wondering if this digital life that we're living in right now will continue, if there will be more virtual Zoom job interviews instead of bringing somebody in or virtual training and onboarding even maybe before they even step foot in the office. What are your thoughts like that? Yeah, there's there's certainly going to be a continuation of uh, virtual uh, vetting, which frankly for us has been um, pretty fun uh, in terms of helping clients uh, tackle some challenges creatively. Yeah, because look, you can you, you can still make a good human connection uh, through video. Uh, I think, you know, one, one thing to consider is, well, you know, we're not always going to work together and collaborate during a eight to five, nine to five, eight to six type of schedule Monday through Friday. So why not video chat during evenings or even weekends? Uh, and, and, um, even bringing in spouses maybe for, you know, some of your more critical hires uh, to sit down together. We've had, you know, clients sit down with their families and video chat with a candidate um, and their family. Uh, We also have advised talent and companies to share workspaces. So, you know, we've had a fun opportunity to help a client hire a plant operations uh, leader sight unseen uh, physically. So this is just a uh, video tour through FaceTime of a facility not meeting anyone. And, you know, that person uh, did uh, accept. And what was nice for the uh, client was they took our advice to go ahead and actually um, ask the talent to return the favor and, and, and show with the, with the expectation that uh, virtual interviewing will continue. Uh, I think candidates should treat um, all of their uh, video interviews uh, as an in-person professional interview. That means dress the part, uh, be well put together, do not show up, uh, business on the top, party on the bottom, <laughs> have a clean workspace, have your note uh, pad ready, and again, just treat it as if you were walking into uh, CEO's office and expect that you might be asked for a mini tour of your own workstation, um, especially if you are receiving an office or a facility tour on the other side. So uh, that that would be some good, you know, virtual interview advice uh, for those job seekers out there. Yeah, absolutely. Very practical. Appreciate that as well. And uh, it's a new normal. So here we are. All right, we're going to take our last commercial break and then we'll be right back to chat more with Brian from Hunter and Esquire. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The Cutting Edge of Cannabis, consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put different celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint 
cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top ten song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. And I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're wrapping up our chat here with Brian Passman from Hunter and Esquire. And Brooke, one quick question I wanted to ask you. I like to ask people in these interviews what they did before they got involved in the cannabis industry because it's always interesting to see what other sectors that are completely unrelated to cannabis can bring in talent with knowledge and skills that actually take our industry to the next level. So... I was wondering what your thoughts are on bringing in these knowledgeable experts from completely unrelated fields directly into leadership roles in this industry. Yeah, good question. Uh, and 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 for the record, I I see great value in those who have uh, earned the label of OG and they've been doing their part to get the industry to where it is all along. I do think that uh, those people where appropriate um, deserve a spot in the space, but, um, you know, experienced, accomplished professional leadership from other industries uh, do need to come in. I, I think when you look at uh, bringing in new leadership that has all of the polish and the leadership know-how, they can build teams with succession planning in mind and, really properly inspire teams of people and they know what great leadership feels like in world-class organizations. I think it behooves those organizations to bring those people in. It helps the industry overall. And I think, you know, so long as those people have the right other soft or as I call them essential skills to survive in the industry and are um, inherently interested and passionate about the success of the industry it's a lot easier for them to learn the industry with us because as we all talk about, this industry is changing and evolving every day. So whether we've been in it for two days or 20 years, we're still learning every day. And it's it's a lot easier for us all to learn the industry together than have to try to teach each other what good good leadership uh, looks like. So uh, that's my stance on, you know, this, the value of those hard skills coming in from other mainstream industries to help us along. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so thinking about the past and the future, 10 years ago, the, I'm sure the OGs would have never been able to predict that the industry would look and feel the way it does today in the year 2020. Um, 
NCIA's 10-year anniversary as a trade association representing cannabis is also this year in 2020. So it's been quite a 10 years. Yeah, we, we joke about dog years in the cannabis industry just because of how much happens in such a short amount of time. So it's fun to ask this question in our 10-year anniversary. Where were you 10 years ago? Could you have predicted it would look this way? And any quick predictions for what this industry will look like 10 years into the future in 2030? Uh, 10 years ago, I was uh, just getting promoted to my SVP recruitment role in my uh, the agency I worked at for a number of years in the medical space. I was. I would have not guessed that I would be working in the, in this industry. That is uh, a certainty. Um, ten years from now, gosh, I don't. I never like to pretend that I own a crystal ball, uh, <laughs> but I, I I would have to go out on a limb and say that in ten years from now, you know, this industry is not only federally legal, but it feels exactly like uh, all the other mainstream industries out there and. We're enjoying all of the, the same banking and tax breaks and whatnot mm-hmm. that any other industry out there uh, gets to enjoy as well. Absolutely. And we work on uh, getting banking and 288 tax reform, among other things, uh, in our government relations team in Washington, D.C. And our lobby days this year, the 10th annual cannabis industry lobby days, was rescheduled. Uh, It was supposed to take place in the middle of May. It has now been rescheduled for September 15th, 16th, and 17th in Washington, D.C., as well as the Cannabis Business Summit and Expo has been rescheduled for the end of September as well. Check our website for updates on that. And Brian, I believe you've been to one of NCIA's lobby days. We have about a minute left in the show, but I'm wondering if you could quickly share what that experience was like for you. Oh, I would love to, but uh, I, I've actually not attended a lobby days yet. Oh, sorry. No worries. That's the that's the the only NCIA type event that I have yet to attend. It's on the it's on the bucket list. Fair. Well, this year it got rescheduled for September, as I just mentioned. So Congress will be just back from August recess. So they'll be nice and fresh and tan from their vacations or whatnot. And it'll be just weeks before we all head to the polls on election day. So it's a pretty crucial time to go and meet with members of Congress, talk to them about our issues, talk to them about the need for banking reform, uh, 280E and all the other protections and Exactly as you said, our industry working toward being treated just like every other industry in America. So if you've never been to Lobby Days, it is one of the coolest and most exciting events that NCIA does every year. And it's not an expo floor. It's not a conference. It's very different. And you and your cannabis industry peers will be grouped together in small groups of usually three or four, maybe five people. And you'll be assigned to various members of Congress's offices uh, with meetings that we set up for you in advance and everything. We train you, we give you talking points, and then we let you loose with comfortable walking shoes (laughs) that you brought uh, all over the House and Senate buildings around D.C. to have these meetings. It is so fun and exciting. So when we can come back to socializing again, that will be one that I'm the most looking forward to. 
We've run out of time, but thank you again for being on the show today, Brian. Where can people find out more about your company? We are at HunterEsquire.com. And Bethany, I want to thank you for having me and uh, for everything you do to get the word out there. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today and looking forward to a robust uh, industry when we get on the other side of this coronavirus with lots of jobs for everybody. Amen. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.